0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Driving More Show. This is the second in our series looking at grassroots rugby and how uh, the provinces can grow it. Um, I'm very pleased to have Aaron Lawton, the CEO of uh, Counties Manukau, joining me uh, to to have a chat. Thank you uh, for joining me, Aaron. Thanks for having me, Paul. And uh, yeah, an absolute pleasure to be uh, at um, at Counties the other weekend and, and to get to see the club rooms. Uh, and I can see you guys are into your club, are into grassroots because you have all the, uh, the the club jerseys on the wall as you walk into the club rooms. So clearly, grassroots is a big thing for counties. But what uh, when we talk about grassroots, what does it mean to counties? What is grassroots?
3: Wow, big question. And and you're right. Um, you know, we exist for our grassroots clubs. We exist for the uh, community games. So. Look, that's why we've got the the club jerseys all up in the, in, in the lobby like you saw. Um, what does grassroots mean? It means everything from kids, you know, starting out their rugby journey all the way through to adults playing prezzies or, you know, Div 3 or whatever it might be. Um, our purpose as a union is to grow, empower, and inspire our people through rugby. And ultimately, you know, what you might see at, at the pointy end of the uh participation pyramid is the the, you know the county's power heat or the PIC Steelers but those teams don't exist without a massive base of participants underneath and when I talk about participants I'm not just talking about players as well talking about players we're talking about coaches referees volunteers club administrators so when I think of grassroots rugby I'm thinking of anyone that does it for the love of the game really
0: yeah, it's just making it clear that it's, it's bigger than just the players on the Saturday, and it's bigger than just clubs. It also includes the the, the schools and the teachers uh, who volunteer to to do after school um, or during school um, uh, rugby programs as well. It's not just about clubs, and it's not just about that, um, that first team on, a, on on a Saturday afternoon. It's about yeah, there is as you say there's all those volunteers, there's all those coaches, etc. Uh, in, involved as well. So, what do you think is broken, or, or what do you think needs fixing? That we need extra funds for uh, in grassroots.
3: Yep. You're starting with some of the big questions today, aren't you? So, <laughs> look, I think um, there's no question that there are some real challenges in that transition area. Um, what's probably sort of been misconstrued a little bit is a lot of the time in the game of rugby at the moment, and when we talk grassroots rugby, we talk about the the transition between, say, club and into secondary school rugby. We're actually doing quite a bit of strategic work at the moment, and and stakeholder consultation with our clubs, with our secondary schools, um, to really understand. Like we're we're trying to reposition this union to really define what what our what our work needs to be in the future. If you actually look at the numbers, the real challenges around sort of you go from sort of under eleven, and they, New Zealand rugby call it the waterfall. It's sort of the under eleven under 12, under 13, and then out of under 13 at club into under 14 at school, right, and the the drop-off is is fairly pronounced. I think some of the challenges are around just whether the game is fit for purpose for that age group. Um, One of the things I've sort of talked to our team about is New Zealand Rugby does a fantastic job of getting what they call voice of participant research, so we understand why kids play rugby and it's about fun and playing with their mates and all that sort of thing. However, What I would like to hear about is, uh, what I'd like to sort of discover is the voice of the former participant. I don't know that we've necessarily got a great handle on why kids are dropping out of rugby. I mean, we can sit here and talk about societal things or cultural things and time poor and all of the things that we know. But what I would like to understand is just some of the reasons why kids are dropping out and, and not playing. And I think the other thing we need to do is we need to really look at I think over a long period of time we've we've really looked at what I'd call vanity metrics around quantity of players. How are our numbers? You know, there's this sort of obsession with numbers and who's playing it. And the funding model, to be fair, from New Zealand Rugby that then flows into provincial unions and also grassroots, is has been sort of based significantly on numbers. Um, there's a bit of work to sort of move away from that, a bit more work towards potentially a funding agreement that looks at strategic areas that are at risk and then gets provincial unions to provide a plan and then go after it, which I think is really forward thinking. So I think that's that's something we need to look at. But the other thing we need to really look at is quality of experience. And it's, it can be a real struggle, you know, like you've got a lot of well-meaning volunteers in clubland. Everyone's just trying to do the best they can and it's because they love the game. It's really hard to sort of, ask people to work more and more. And we need to be understanding of the fact that fundamentally the game is run by volunteers um, and we need to understand what their pain points are. But ultimately the real challenge you've got is that you do have that drop off from sort of, you know, junior rugby is pretty, pretty strong. It's still a way of life here in New Zealand, but you've got that drop off into secondary schools and then you've got secondary schools that are challenged. And let's not forget that rugby is just one one sport of 50 or whatever, right? Like we think that our sport is so important and it should be the be all and end all. We just need to have a little bit of uh, empathy or understanding that our hardworking teachers in the sports departments, they're trying to do lots. They're having the same conversations with cricket and softball and netball and football. So we've got to understand that they're time poor too. And then the real challenge becomes if we don't get the teens playing, you know, we're going to see a slow erosion of our adult game as well. So Rugby's at a real unique moment in time, but I, I would say that there are good people within the system asking the right questions, um, and we need to. We need to confront the brutal truths, don't we, the brutal facts. So we're no different here in counties. We've had our challenges and have our challenges, and I think the key thing is right now we're, we're sort of really trying to go what Steve Hanson would call bone deep and get a real understanding of where the challenges are and what the problems are, and then from there it's sort of our job to work with the – the, the participants within our community on how we turn it around
0: oh, it's good to hear that it's not just about numbers because i mean, we, we hear this top level number of yes just are oh, we've only we had this many participants 10 years ago this many participants from now um, but then we have also seen uh particularly out of other countries though numbers potentially massage going Are oh, we've given x school children a rugby experience well yes but was that just one afternoon and they never touch rugby ball again uh how much does that number actually mean so it's good to see that it's it's becoming more than just pure numbers because they say that sometimes there's yeah stats, stats and and lies or lies, lies and stats, whatever the, the saying is. Stands, um, yeah. The um, uh, the and that, so so it's clearly the, the issue seems to be around that you say that that tra- those transition periods are into and out of high school. How does how does money from something like Silver Lake Investment or uh, or whatever the uh, other, other whoever, wherever any other investment goes? How does that fix that then? Or how are you going yeah. to fix that?
3: It's a good question, and I think we need to be really mindful that money is a means, but it doesn't solve everything. You can throw money at a problem, and if you don't have a good plan, that money can be eroded very quickly. So there's no question that there needs to be quote investment into the grassroots game. So what does that look like? From one point of view, it's around New Zealand rugby being able to invest in what they call community rugby initiatives. So more investment and actually research and understanding on what type of you know product market fit let's look at it from a marketing perspective is 15 aside rugby you know full contact full field really what we should be looking at for that age group we've seen um under 11s have gone to three quarter field and counties tennis side and we've seen a real blip like if you actually look at the graph it goes down down up and then down down you know so i think money is really important, but I also think attitudinally, the game has some maturing around, you know, people understanding that just because little Johnny's been a flanker since he was eight doesn't mean he's the next Richie McCaw and that then starts to go around educate money into educating around rugby being a late specialisation sport and all those things. You know, I, I think sometimes what we, we do and, and it's within sport and it's not just New Zealand, it's globally is we look at the pointy end of the pyramid so we look at the All Blacks or New York Yankees or whatever and we think that we need to get our kids playing exactly like them now instead of understanding that it's a progression. So attitudinally is something that we need to look at. Um, I think New Zealand rugby needs to invest in sort of product market fit and uh, alternative products that are still rugby but that are giving um, you know kids a great experience um, I think facilities is a big one. It's probably the, what I'd call the not urgent, important piece of of work that's sort of sitting there in the in the background. Is fit for purpose facilities like rugby clubs are fairly old school at the moment, and we probably need to look at how we, um, you know, upgrade them and what how that money flows through. I think as well as that, from a provincial union perspective, there is a real element there around the capability of our staff and. Up and and getting them on board to upskill our clubs it's kind of the whole mentality of teach a man to fish feed him for a lifetime as opposed to give him fish and feed him for a day so one of the things i would like to see is more you know we, we would certainly like to invest more in our community game and i would see that around club development um you know here is how you do things here is what a sustainable club looks like here is best practice but we also need to not fall in the trap of the 20-page blueprint that goes to a hard-working volunteer that's going to finally get to it when they get home from a long day at work. So there is a need to simplify things for time-poor volunteers. And that's where I think like, we can't go in and do the job for the clubs, but we can certainly say, hey, this is what good looks like, or this is what great looks like, and this is how we can help you get there. Um, you know, help clubs with funding applications. Teach them how to do it. Where is the money? How can you get it? What are you trying to achieve? Like, who are your, who are your stakeholders or what, who are your audience and what makes them tick? You know, here's what kids that left your club last year said. How do we turn this around? How do we upskill your coaches um, to make them better coaches and to ensure that their experience as coaches within the game is important too. So. Look, I think, um, like I said before, money doesn't solve anything, but like, for there is definitely, certainly in a lot of provincial unions, and can't speak for all of them because we're all very different, but there is a very much a hand-to-mouth existence, right? Like, we understand that every dollar that comes in, every dollar that we spend on printing here in the union is money that can't go to little Johnny playing for Marua or, you know, Waymouth or something like that. So, you know, we as a board, our board are very clear and we never spend more than we earn and we have to sort of be sustainable. But there is certainly not a massive amount of money and it It is a hand-to-mouth existence. It's why something like COVID can be so devastating. For us as a union, if there was investment coming in from Silver Lake, you know, from my perspective, we we wouldn't be spending it on operational costs. We would be looking at investing it for the future. You know, this union's done a great job of, Buying and selling houses over time, you know, just like other, you know, this year we've got a cockies club where we've got farmers donating cows and stuff like that. Like that's the sort of stuff that goes on. We've got a really engaged commute, rural community, but it ends up going into operational. And in three years' time, you sort of, you know, the money, uh, the house is built, then sold. Imagine if, and you know, it's it's wonderful, hindsight is 2020, right? But imagine if we had bought a house every three years and held on to it here in the, the booming Auckland property market, we would have set up this union forever in terms of having a strong and diverse asset base. So at the moment, the nature of provincial union... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. We rely on gaming money, we rely on sponsorship, and that's where the, you know, the semi or semi-professional semi end of the game comes in, and then we rely on New Zealand rugby funding, and, and I think that it would be really good to have a little bit of foresight to have what I'd call the longest view on the room. What does 10 years down the track look like? So, yep, we need to invest in capability and people to help drive our community game, whether that's secondary school, like you said before, it's not just clubs. Um, to drive the community game upskill, help out where possible, but teach a man to fish or a woman to fish, I should say. And then we also need to look at a union level around diversifying our our income stream. So if we were to get some funding from Silver Lake, we would. I, I don't know the answer yet because you know it, it doesn't feel like we're we're any closer to getting that sorted. But if we were to get an injection and clubs would get an injection, but from our perspective and our board's perspective, we'd be looking to invest that money. It wouldn't be eroded because we'd have a real responsibility to ensure for future generations long, long after I've left them in this position. I want to, I want whoever's next CEO or CEO in 15 years to look back and go, man, that was great that they didn't spend this money and that they were able to invest it and that now, Counties Monaco is really robust financially. Like we're we're in a reasonable place. We've got, I think, the third or fourth strongest balance sheet in in, in Provincial Union Rugby, largely because we own the buildings that are at the stadium here. But the reality is that they don't generate a significant amount of money for us. And, And so one of the real challenges, Paul, is that when you work in Provincial Union Rugby, you spend a hell of a lot of time thinking about money and I think money is definitely a means, it's not an end, and money is definitely an end for us at the moment, like the, the the thing I say, I'm a bit of a squeaky hinge, but we have this regular funding discussions with New Zealand rugby, and I'm I'm the king of asking staff not to print in paper, and to print on both sides, you know, we're, like we, we sort of joke about it, but it is a metaphor, or it is a, I don't know whether it's a metaphor, but it is of, of a, an environment that is so stretched that every penny counts and look you've got to be fiscally conservative and 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 frugal but geez it would be bloody good to not be focusing on the dollar all the time and to be Mm -hmm. able to invest and to look at it instead of holding that up as one of our evident evidence of a good year that we didn't lose money like i'd like to see us sort of reframe it to be focusing on what we're doing to grow that community game because Ultimately, if we do great work now, if you take that long-term view again, if we do great work now in our community game, the Steelers will take care of themselves. The Heat will take care of themselves because you get more kids playing rugby, more kids enjoying rugby. We've got a big talent pool here in Counties Manukau. Um, You know, good secondary school competitions, and robust competitions. Suddenly you've got players staying in the union, less leaving, going to Auckland, etc suddenly, you know, the next John O'Lomer is out there somewhere, right,
0: so. Yeah, you mentioned the buildings there at Navigation Home Stadium, and whilst I love uh, coming along, uh, let's be honest, it, it, is, it is a stadium that, that could do with modernising. <laughs> um, the uh, I mean, to, to give people an idea as to, for those who haven't been up, up to Navigation Homes, uh, we have a Cathay Ray tube TV uh, in, in, in the um, uh, in the media box for, for, so that we can see the, uh, the, the replays. Um, so yeah, it, it is. It, it, it's um, yeah, it, it is very nice, but it is also yeah, in in need of some tender love. Um, <laughs> it's rustic. Happening.
3: You know, it's it's a good point though because so at the moment, we've started to try and leverage the asset a bit more. So we've had football here. Um, we had an international test between Tonga and the Cook Islands, and we're talking to County's Monaco Rugby League. My vision for this place is that it becomes a real community hub. Um, mm. For too long, it's kind of been seen as the county's Monaco rugby union base. And so we only have, let's say, 10 events here a year. We would like to have concerts here and that sort of thing. At the moment, like other than sort of giving a little bit of a spruce up, it's irresponsible to, for on my part, to pour money into this venue, um, w- which could be going back to grassroots so that it looks nice on, an, on a Steelers' night. Our community's pretty um you know, where well, they're not fussy and they get in and, and get there. So unless the, the venue is, you know, generating a return that can then be reinvested, my, my view is that there's a certain amount of capital that you need to put in, but you certainly don't, the bells and whistles aren't aren't really something we'd look at at the moment. If yep. there was more money, if the venue was, you know, we're slow, and it's a bit of a slow, steady creep at the moment, but we're looking to try and, have other events here. You know, once you start getting events here, you get more money in the coffers and then you look to reinvest, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, I don't know what would you call exactly. it, a snowball effect, right? Yep. You know, and then we have more money and the venue's better and then more people come. But I, I can certainly assure you there will, there will not be, um, you know, like, um, I don't even know what a modern stadium looks like anymore, but like, you know, there won't be TVs everywhere and the seats won't be. <laughs> won't be uh, padded or anything anytime soon. But look, I do understand that it's a ref- reflection and we would like the stadium to be better. And, you know, we're trying to do that um, s- slowly. Um, over the last couple of years, we've given a bit of a lick of paint, but there's some, there's some areas there that I, 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 are somewhat rustic and in need of work for sure.
0: Yeah, it, it does it, it does have a charm. Uh, and it's nice to be sort of different. And you, and you say it does feel... Like, like counties I guess one of the other things you, you you do have uh is also you've got a very changing de- demographic you've talked about being a rural um one but uh, as you, with, there's anyone who drives up state highway one will see lots of houses being built and it's becoming more urban um the uh, so it, it is it is it, you, you've also got a changing demographics uh to of, of your sort of um, membership base um as, as well to deal with so not just the changes in society in general you're you're very much in a changing uh, a changing province um, as well uh, but you talk there about about being sustainable um, and to me and, and use of facilities uh, that uh, to me I think get, getting into those clubs turning them into a bit like RSAs where they used every night of the week rather than uh, twice a week for five months um, is how we can make those clubs more sustainable? Uh, do you see that as, as 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 part of it of working with them on the business side uh, and trying to get them open more more frequently, um, rather than just also on, the, on on the playing side and the uh, and I guess also part of the experience you're talking about is putting in things like women's showers etc. Um, so it's not so that the facilities are more yeah um, 21st century from from um, and, and I'm not and again I'm not saying uh, neon lights everywhere, but just um, uh, accessible to everybody.
3: Yeah, but I think I think that's a key point. So, so New Zealand Rugby have actually started or or are about to commission a body of work that looks at. I think I've got it here. In fact, to show you that I am telling the truth, the future of rugby clubs. Right. So, what they're actually looking at is a, a bit of, a seriously heavy piece of of research, a, a project to canvas different opinion and to look across the country because. You talked before about counties, Manukau, We would have to be one of the more diverse provincial unions. We go up to Manurewa in the north, to Kauwara in the south. You've got rural, you've got urban, you've got really a varied demographic. Um, big kids, little kids, you know, like different ethnicities and all of that. And, and one, it is truly a melting pot. It's a wonderful thing. And one of the things that we've talked about as a provincial union, The population growth that's coming south from Auckland, we need to be ready for it. I mean, it's happening now. If this union is well positioned with a really good, solid plan, then we have the opportunity to really, you know, come along in leaps and bounds and grow the game within this region over the next 10 years. And that's what I'm talking about, having that long-term view. One of those things, as you talk about, is, is rugby clubs. So what is a rugby club? What's the purpose of a rugby club? It's not just to watch rugby on a, on a Saturday and and drink beer in the club rooms. You know, as a rugby clubber, you know, we've seen, we all know societally wide, there are issues with mental wellness. Um, we have some really proactive rugby clubs that have held workshops, you know, on, on on mental wellness in their club rooms. You know, a rugby club to me is about bringing a community together. I, I would name... The Pukakoi Rugby Club, as a club, uh, a rugby club that's doing great things. They sort of their um, club rooms are sort of shared with the local softball club. They've got things on most nights of the week, and that's what you're talking about, Paul. And that's that. That's the vision for me. So you know, you know, it's the same as here at our venue. You know, we we have a, an apprentice group that come in and do their building apprenticeship paperwork here one night a week. or We have in the past. You know, we've talked about potentially opening up our you know the main lounge we, we, we were on Friday night and turning that into a sort of a restaurant or a community hub you know like could we do some building in this facility to allow like a local physio to take a um, a, a spot you know all of those things could this become a a sporting hub within um or, or the wider counties region same thing with clubs right you know like I think that the the, the they need to look at re- um, their revenue streams. You can't just survive on selling beer over the counter anymore. Society has changed. Now, don't get me wrong. There is, I still believe there is a real place. There's definitely a place for congregating at the at the rugby church on a Saturday to watch the, the, the Prem team play and having a few beers. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But what are the other things that we can do as a sport to provide a, a meeting place or an opportunity for connection, right, and a sense of belonging within the community. So that piece of work has being led by the um, very capable Mike Hester at um, New Zealand Rugby, and I'm pretty excited about what what's going to take place there. And, and I think the key thing and one of the things that we fed back to New Zealand Rugby on, and I said it before, if you do all the heavy lifting, New Zealand Rugby and the Provincial Union's job then is to filter whatever comes out of it, to ensure that it's not like a 50-page report that, you know, club presidents or club secretaries are going to get an email, put it in the too hard basket and say, you know, dear God, there's no way that we're going to be to, able to sort of put this into place. I think it should be two pages of really clear um, direction, and then, you know, facilitate some discussion with us as a provincial union around how we can help. And that's our role.
0: Great. I, I, I talked to Campbell last week. He also mentioned about using sort of club rooms and things as, 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 as learning centers. Um, and yeah, you say with your apprenticeship thing, you're, you're doing something very similar. Um, I, I was up at uh, Manuera for their, uh, was it double centenary or centenary? Um, centenary, yeah. And uh, they mentioned how that they uh, used had their club rooms used as a film studio um, or film set, sorry, for, uh, uh, and they were, yeah, how they were looking at other uses and thinking about, um, Outside the box um, <laughs> for, uh, for 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 users. So yeah, it's, it's great to hear that. Uh, yeah, it looks like you're all on the same page and, and heading the right directions, which is good to hear. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been great to hear how uh, you'll be uh, looking at some, or how you are looking at growing, and just how the, the funds will be an extra piece, an enabler to that, rather than it being the answer that you're looking for um, from above. Which is, I think, is the the message that people will need to hear, and uh, is 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 great to hear. So thank you for actually your time uh, and folks. Um, do uh, like subscribe to the page because we'll be looking at trying to talk to other um, CEOs and doing chats with um, uh, looking at Bay of Plenty and Waikato. I uh, Waikato, being a Super Rugby uh, province, would have a different view and uh, you know, get different set of experiences, which would be uh, also um, good to share with you as well. So uh, uh, don't forget to like uh, the page.